Right, Trey, welcome back. Uh, Will and Mick are still here. If you want to get in touch, you can text the show on 53106 or you can tweet us at Off The Ball. Now, Kelly Harrington says, Katie Taylor remains her role model despite a war of words this week between Harrington and Taylor's father, Pete. In her new book, Kelly Harrington claimed that Pete Taylor wouldn't allow Katie to spar with other members of the Irish amateur team. Uh, Pete claimed in response that Harrington is only the third best lightweight boxer in Ireland behind his daughter and Amy Broadhurst. Is or was? Did he say is? Is. Right? Uh, last month, obviously, Harrington completed a set of major international medals by adding European gold to her Olympic and world titles. She sat down with Richie McCormack earlier this week and started by discussing how she was inspired by Katie Taylor's Olympic success in London in 2012. I watched her in London. Um, now, I'd never thought of the Olympics at this stage, you know what I mean? Like I Because, ne- like, she was the inspiration, the role model, and I never thought I'd ever be anywhere near that level. Yeah. Do you know, like, I was like, oh, Olympics, Jeannie Mac, like could never get there like but what she's doing is brilliant you know like and then 2016 I was out in the world championships with Katie and I had been away with Katie also before that mm. um, but 2016 we were out there and um, I had won a medal and so Katie won a medal and it was great you know uh, and we come home and she had qualified for, for Rio Olympics and when we come home, there was a training camp on and I had sparred with Estelle Mosley, who was the, she actually won the World Championships in 2016 and yeah. she qualified also for, for the Olympics. Um, so she came over and I'd had a, 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 I had a training camp, so I was her sparring partner before the, the Rio Olympics and I, like, I'd watched the Olympics, the Rio Olympics, I'd been following them. I was supporting Katie all the way, you know, and uh, then Mosley went on and, and won gold out there. And I was thinking, I've been sparring with her, like, and it's actually, like, it's been a close enough spar. Like, I was able to hold my own with her. Yeah. Uh, not saying that, like, I was I was beating her in sparring by any way, shape or form, but I was holding my own with her, you know, and uh, I just started to think, you know what, like, maybe I, maybe now is the time for me to, to drop down to the Olympic weight and see if it goes, if if I can, if I can qualify for for the next Olympics, you know. Um, but I didn't like. I w- it wasn't like I I set out like oh, I'm gonna go to the Olympics and this is what this is my dream. That wasn't the case, you know. Like mm. it was just literally like a kind of a, a moment where I'm like, I might actually be all right at this. Let's let's give it a bash, like, and let's let's just go in, like, and I grew a little bit of confidence then from 2016 on like and that's the way it has it's kind of just happened like my confidence mm. just kept growing and then ever since that I'm just like you know what I know I am good enough to to be up there with the best in the world and if I'm beat I'm gonna get beat by one of the best mm. do you know like and that's, that's the way I look at it that you know? kind of treads throughout the book whereby you're talking about certain opponents and you're thinking oh geez, I'm going up against this one or oh, geez, like she's able to do this she's able to do that whereas it morphs into well she has to go up against me and like she has to face me and I have enough confidence and you know I'm sure about my own abilities that I can actually put together a fight that can be her and that's a journey to go on and that's a great moment of self-realisation you get as well to realise that you are the one who's in charge of I guess your own destiny, I guess you want to put it that way. Exactly. And I would never be out there and saying that. Do you know, I would never be like, as in when someone asks, and how do you think it's going to go? I'd be like, ah, look, it will be what it will be. But in my head, I'm always like trying to be positive and, yeah. you know, and see the, the, I'm always trying to see the outcome of it before it happens, you know. But I would never be like, oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, you know. I try to stay grounded like and let let me let the training that I've done for the the couple of weeks well not weeks well I've forever basically yeah. but the really hard graft in the last yeah. 12 weeks let that speak for itself you know yeah Tr- throughout the course obviously of, of talking about Katie and, and coming up alongside her and, and, and seeing her in tournaments as well obviously Pete Taylor plays a, a massive role in your career and in the book as well um you were critical of certain aspects of, of his coaching methods and uh, how he would have treated other boxers other than Katie. In the book, he's 
fired back and shot back on social media in the last 24 hours or so have you seen any of that stuff since or do you take much I haven't seen any of the stuff that's being honest with you but right. people have asked me have I seen any of right. it and I haven't seen any of it and I don't really need to look at it because at the end of the day my journey is my journey do you know like and that is my experience and that is it, it's my book it's my life and it is what it is do you know um, I've never I, I've never set out to cause any upset to anybody do you know or upset anybody um, like I mean it's it's in the book I, I've, I've said it in the book about Katie I'd say about how I wouldn't challenge her like how I never had the confidence I'm saying it now how I never had the confidence you know I have confidence now because of what I have achieved because of my training because I, I, I stepped up and I was like right let's see mm. you know but and I also like it is what it is, do you know what I mean? That that's my experience. I don't I don't have anything else to say about it, you know. Uh, and what I will say is though that Katie Taylor is a fantastic athlete, a, a really great role model to anybody, man, woman, child. It doesn't matter mm. to me, you know what I mean? And I've never ever had any uh, bad feelings towards Katie. Like she's been my role model. How could you like, no, you know? It, that, apart from a moment of like tension where she's cheering on somebody else in the elites, I think it was like Yeah, that's it. Book, like, like that's it, but yeah. that's like that's a micro snapshot of but that's my role model you know that for me it's like oh my god like my role model's in someone else's corner like I like that's like a heartbreaking moment for me do you know what I mean at that stage because literally like all the pictures of my whole bedroom now now it sounds really weird but like she's my role model like she's like people have pictures of David Beckham and Cristiano Ronaldo on the walls. You know what I mean? Like she was, like she was my role model growing up. And then next of all, she's in Alana's corner cheering for her. I was like, Oh my <laughs> god! You know what I mean? Like you're my role model, like not hers. You know, but uh, I've always thought, like I've always, I've always thought Katie is great. You know, yeah. it's, it's, would you? Would you? Uh, have her dad, tra- Katie's yeah. father, and Katie to me are two different people, and uh, like it doesn't like, yeah, I. T- would you have any interest in reaching out to him to try and not necessarily settle the wrong word, but to just to clear things up? I think probably would be the best way of putting to it. Who? Clear it to Pete. To Pete? Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, no. I don't have anything. Like, I don't. There is nothing to clear up. Do okay. you know what I mean? Like, I know what I know, and he knows what he knows, and all the people in the boxing world know what they know, and it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's my story, is my story, and I've, yeah, I've. Like I really don't, I don't have anything more to say about it. Like it's just, it is what it is. I I am where I am, and and Katie's where Katie is, and Pete's where Pete is. You know, like and uh, one of the uh, one of the great stories in the book uh, is like as you become more serious about what you're doing and wanting to qualify for the 2020 Olympics, there's this thing of kind of almost. Uh, shedding bad habits so whether it's like trying to make weight in certain ways or if it's trying to train in certain ways but also dropping the alcohol was another thing that came from an incident really in the the Europeans I think it was in Bulgaria as well was yeah, it? Yeah. yeah whereby you'd gone out earlier than expected and you were told listen when we're here we're here to work we're here to fight we're here to you're not here to party but there was an incident where essentially you kind of one drink led to led to another yeah well that was it uh it was just me and another girl and there was no one even knew about it you know what I mean so it was that was grand no one knew until until the book came out (laughs) but um yeah I felt like I had a harsh decision out there you know and um that was me that was the last time then that I had a drink because I got an awful fright (laughs) an awful fright so it was probably a blessing in disguise um and then after that then yeah I haven't what was the fright I just kept getting sick yeah. and I just thought I had the fear like I had the fear I was thinking like I'm never going to box for my country again like this is it now and <laughs> I'm going to be kicked off the team and you know like oh, I was it was I did I had some fear I tell you but yeah. uh, so no one knew because we just I was in bed now for I think 10 to 12 like but I was getting sick all night like and I just thought like that's it I'm never going to be able to box you again you thought you were like, going to be called for a rematch I, as well I, I was, yeah yeah because it was the fight probably should have went my way, you know, and yeah. I could hear the coaches then 
outside the door saying uh, we want the rematch and I was like oh my god that's it like I'm never that's me done like I'm like I've let me country down and I genuinely felt like I had let me country down I was like I let me country down I'm gonna have to go and fight and I'm 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 not able for it you know like so that was it like I was like this can't happen again you know like yeah. cannot do that again so that was the it, it all leads forward obviously to to you progressing and and kind of going from silver medals to, to gold medals in, in in worlds and Europeans and stuff. And then on to the Olympics. I think you're one of the few people who was probably a little bit glad that COVID in a way came along when it did in terms of timing because it almost suited you to kick things down the road. Yeah. Six months it was would have been ideal, I guess, but a year and a bit is what it turned out to be. But it kind of came along at the right time, that first lockdown for yourself. Yeah, well, I broke my hand uh, twice in 2019, so I definitely wasn't ready. And Well, I don't know, probably was ready. I don't know, like, but I, I ju- in my head, I think everything happens for a reason, yeah. you know. And uh, I just think the fact that I had two tongue breaks in 2019, 2020 probably wouldn't have... Uh, been ideal to go back out you know because I went back out too quick in twenty in 2019 and that's how I redone it again um, I think I had two or three fights or something and redone it like so just didn't feel right it didn't feel right and yeah. it, it was only getting stronger in 2020 you know like it wasn't strong it wasn't strengthened up or anything but it was only building back up so to have that like to have that period of time to, to train and to get back in to get back into sparring and stuff was was ideal like did you feel it almost gave you an extra time to focus ahead of the Olympics setting setting the injury aside but not getting caught up in the tumult of everything that leads towards an Olympic Games to give it a little bit of time to breathe before you actually go there see you asked me that question right but I don't really know what happens in in the run up to an Olympic Games you know so I, yeah. I it's not like I could say yeah I did because I never I'd never been trying never, to get to yeah. Olympic Games before so I don't know what that what that would have been like or anything you know, but uh, yeah, it was it was very it was very like there wasn't a whole lot going on. Like you know, uh, it was quiet enough because obviously COVID and all the restrictions and training camps were tests everywhere here and there. Like but you went to go back working in Vincent's during that time as well. Yeah, I went back. Uh, yeah, I went back. I mean, had to do something. You know, like couldn't be sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. Like, yeah. um, and I enjoyed it. Like I, I loved it. I became. The European gold medalist for shadow boxing while I was there. <laughs> How does that even like? What's I know, the, I know. It, yeah. it, it was crazy. Uh, the European, the EUBC, the European Boxing Council yeah. put out a, a challenge, and it was the European shadow boxing because obviously there was nothing going on, you know. Like so, they were like, we have to fill time. Yeah, you know. So yeah. yeah, so they ran a, a, a shadow boxing challenge and me being me I was like oh let's do this and while I was in work I was like right come on and we do something like for the crack like and mm. I just got the women in work uh, going around with like a card saying round one and someone with the milk jug going ding ding and then I come in and take <laughs> off my work coat and start shadow boxing and they're like go on Kelly <laughs> box the head off that shadow <laughs> but um, you've never had like dull career choices put it that way like between working in Vincent's and before that like deciding you wanted to go into the army originally yeah. doing like the training up in Gormanstown and stuff like that like, they, yeah. now it, when they say like it was only four months it was short lived yeah. but it was yeah. uh, it was like it was exciting it was part of me growing up you know yeah. like it was a part, like all my life uh, my whole story is a part of like decisions that I make is like like it's you know uh, I enjoyed it like well I didn't enjoy it too much to be honest but like <laughs> <laughs> no, no you're going to want to leave yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah, that was that was an experience, like a a, a crazy experience. Yeah, because it, it's and it sounds rough because people kind of think, ah, oh, like the Irish Army, what do they do? But like, you're like you're probably the first person I've sat opposite who knows how to handle and clean a machine gun. Yeah, I yeah, mean, well, I wouldn't be able to know to be honest with you. Like, but uh, I did, uh, maybe I probably didn't know how to do it either when I was there. Like, <laughs> but um, no, it was a uh, very very different world to what I'm living now that's for sure there is some kind of parallels to it though when you think about the level of when you're doing the say the tic tac training with Zor or whatever and you're having to do certain routines yeah. and all that kind of stuff and reacting to, to certain punches there is an element of the regimental and being asked to follow advice and follow instructions from your drill sergeant or whatever like they kind of there is a bit of a parallel there I guess it's I, I suppose like if even just for 
from boxing in general, like mm. uh, the discipline side of it, like well, I went in there when I literally only went 18. So I was only gone 18 when I was in there. So I'd been like, I've, I'd wanted to go into the army since I think I was, oh, Jesus, 14 or something like Why? that, you know, for the discipline. Discipline, okay. Yeah, literally like, I, and, and I wanted to train like, but I didn't realise how hard the training was going to be, you know, mm. like, uh, that was a, that was a, a smack of reality when I got in and, I, and then it was, uh, look, would I be able for the training now? Absolutely. Like, would I be able for someone screaming in my face now? Probably <laughs> not. Like, but um, it was, that's that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to, to join the army for the discipline. Um, and again, like I wanted to get in when I was 14 and obviously I was going down that pathway and yeah. that was it. And it's like, I was like army boxing. Like, you know, these are two things that can definitely change my life. Like, of course, uh, yeah. you know, like, uh, and that's that's what I wanted in the army and I just couldn't hack it so I got my jacket and left <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah listen uh, leaving the army is probably even boxing's game and everyone else's game or gain from, from that point onwards um, I want to talk about some of the coaches that you worked with as well because you've been fierce lucky with like the likes of Billy Walsh who's been in charge of the high performance uh, morphing into Bernard and we, met, we touched on Zor there he's kind of been this uh, godfather of, of Irish amateur boxing for the past decade or more and yet people don't necessarily know a whole heap about him, about him. because he doesn't put himself out there that much and uh, I, 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 he's, I, he's so well regarded I think by absolutely everybody who's ever come across him and I don't think he'd be any different in that respect either would you? He's No, Zor is um, one of the best coaches in the world technically and his eye for, for boxing for reading fights is just fantastic like that man, he doesn't, like, I genuinely don't think he gets more than four hours sleep a night because he is constantly doing homework on opponents, on how to, on what I need to do to get better and what other people need to do to get better and, you know, like, on your technique and he's looking at other ways other people train, like, his brain is constantly going, you know, he's, 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 fun, he's he, he is one of the best coaches in the world, but alongside or you have all the other high performing coaches yeah. as well and they all knit in together like you have you have John you have Dima you have Owen Damien like there's so many of them like and they all tie in together and everyone plays plays a fight role out there in getting us to where we are but it does start from grassroots you know so you don't just rock up there and they make the perfect course, yeah. boxer you know like it starts from grassroots and like from volunteer coaches that aren't getting paid a, a, a cent to to take on a 13 or 14 year old Kelly Harrington and give them all their time while they also work a, a full time job and have a wife and kids at home you know like That was Kelly Harrington speaking with Richie earlier this week uh, full podcast is available on the OTB daily feed uh, is there any possibility that this all ends up in a fight that we could get like a Kelly versus Katie yeah why not well, if Amanda Serrano doesn't come true, why not? Like we wanted it before. That is Phil Crow Park. Well, and look, you know, they could do it at a, a make weight. Or like, sorry, not a make weight, like a, a distance. Could it be eight rounds? Because you know, it'd be a professional debut. Yeah, How she'd have to have a. She'd have to have a debut first, wouldn't she? You'd, have, yeah. you'd need a yeah. warm up fight. She's, look, I mean, she's just won a European title. She's yeah, but what more is there for her to do? What more is there for her to do? How long is Katie willing to hang around? I don't That's know. Like, so, I think for this, right, you would you would hang around. Make the deal and say, you've got eight months. I don't care what your preparation is. It's up to you. But we will give you 40%. So if you're saying you've got eight months. Th- 30%. Well, how much? Harrington has to skip the Olympics then. What? Kelly Harrington has to go pro now and miss the Olympics. Well, do you? Or do you mean wait till the end of 2024? No, 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 no. no it's, oh, it's like then, yeah, it's next, next year. This is a 2023 fight. Hmm. Like, what's more important at this stage? The Olympics. You're going to win it again or not win it again. Is it definitely going to happen? Is it definitely going to be in the Olympics? It'll be there for 24, It'll be, but not yeah, 20 definitely for 24. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, don't know. I wonder as well, would, is, it, is it what they want? It seems like there'd be a kind of, a, in Kelly's part anyway, like, so, like there'd be an emotional aspect of that I don't know I don't know it, 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 I think it was something we love to see but I just don't see it happening I don't think the paths will cross at this point unfortunately 
yeah, I don't know. It's easy to say time is uh, catching up with uh, Kay Taylor, but that's just our usual ageism that we just look at somebody's number. There's no sign from what we see in the ring that age is affecting Kay Taylor in any way, shape, or form. No, no. It's just the boxing, the the continuous putting your body through that and continuous bangs to the head is not good for you in the long run. So yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, Matchroom and Serrano both seem very confident that Crow Park and that rematch will be the fight for next year. They went into full-blown PR mode moments after the fight finished yeah. last weekend. Yeah, but so is there not a, the like a uh, slightly complicating factor in that Jake Paul and, and uh, Hearn, Eddie Hearn have this legal battle? Yeah, so I mean, we, it's not going to be an easy negotiation, but every kind of feeling coming out from both camps is they want that fight to happen. They know it's a big money fight, possibly one of the biggest fights, men's or women's boxing next year. Um, I think the really interesting one on amateur level is if Kelly Harrington keeps going where does Amy Broadhurst go because there is a strong possibility that Amy Broadhurst will box at 66 at the Nationals where you're potentially going to have two world champions two European champions of that weight class all fighting it out at an Olympic weight because Broadhurst can't really go back to 60 unless she wants to go directly against Kelly Harrington now it'd be interesting if Broadhurst and Harrington go against each other and also Broadhurst has that option now that she's boxed for Northern Ireland at the Commonwealth of potentially representing Team GB at lightweight at the next Olympics which right. is there is a live option Alright I hadn't realised that uh, the politics there are as intense as they are Interesting too that um, Katie Taylor has, has been crediting Pete Taylor's role in uh, catapulting women's boxing into the Olympics like it was uh, a joint thing that they did it together um, this week too so you know she's not just like looking at this and saying nothing she's like running behind her da mm. which um, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a good fight. Which is probably a nice thing, actually. I thought there was a there was a very good picture of the meeting in London this yeah. week that I thought was actually nice to see. I have to say. After the break, Davy Burke is going to talk to us about his ambitions with Ross Common and the football pod celebrates their county final winner. Stay tuned. Now, the new Ross Common boss, Davy Burke, says he's been burning the midnight oil, getting extra insight into his new panel. He, of course, managed the uh, Wicklow senior footballers, and of course, managed uh, Kildare underage team to success. As you that know. wasn't in the script. No, 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 <laughs> that in. Uh, he's been watching videos of Roscommon Club Championship Games after he was appointed as Anthony Cunningham's successor. He came into studio and joined Shane and Johnny on OTBAM a little earlier this week, outlining his ambitions with the Rossies. I would have had a good grip on Roscommon the last couple of years. I would have watched a good few other games live, and I also would have seen on telly, or, or and also they're all available to me as well. So uh, yeah, I, I'd have a fair handle on on the squad uh, and what I think might be required to maybe get a couple of inches improvement. Hopefully, adds improvement. And then a big one of the main attractions to me is there's a real the age profile is late twenties, we'll say of the okay. of the core squad, right? So there's a good three, four, or five years left in them boys, but there's some extremely talented twenty to twenty three year olds coming through that they've had some really good twenty teams, really good minor teams and probably didn't get their chance the last couple of years now maybe it's, that's down to conditioning maybe they weren't ready for their chance maybe they weren't training well I don't know but we're, we're, we're going to get them in and like come the first round of the league we'll hope to be a newish look to this team you know because uh, ultimately I'm trying to create competition you know that kind of mm. way and I want fresh blood in and these boys are talented well, people would say why are you taking on this job because like what, what's the upside of this in terms of your division one team like on the cusp of you know potentially getting relegated uh, you can't win in all Ireland so why would you take a job like this but do you think there is Upside. Oh jeez, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be in, in the job if I didn't, Johnny. I think it's. I think it's one of the most exciting jobs in the country, where no one expects you to stay in Division One. You know, no one gives you a chance. Jeez, I only love that type of crack. You mm. know, that kind of way. That uh, that uh, that that really gets me going. And so, uh, like, just huge. They were in another twenty All Ireland final two years ago. You know, they were one another Connacht twenties last year, the year previous. Like, just huge talent coming, and it's untapped talent. You know, and that's coming. And for me, looking at the senior team, I definitely think there's a maybe a little balance issue or just. Little small improvements there, handy wins that can be made. I think structurally, we'll say, uh, and and the talent is there. Like, and what's the, what's the big thing about us common as well? They forwards, Johnny. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah. the, you, you know, you were a club team. You were kind of you're crying out for forwards generally. You know that kind of way. Whereas these guys have them in abundance, and and I want to work with talented forwards now. You know, so uh, oh no, for me it's massively positive. I wouldn't believe any of that other crack to be honest. It's funny, it's funny like you, you you can feed off criticism and and people play putting you down like that and it's it look it's it's natural enough I guarantee even my own county Monaghan like there's and Vinnie Corey's in fresh to that job as well I guarantee Monaghan and Common for the bookies I haven't looked but yeah, will be yeah. the two favourites to go down Monaghan will pull it off though they always well, do it yeah, yeah. but like it's it is not sort of thing where you've it's not quite the newspaper on the wall for the players but. Uh, 
the more people put you down and expect you to be relegated and not do anything in the championship it kind of motivates yourself and the players probably yeah absolutely it does I, I'm only new into the job and already I'd be frustrated by the, the narrative or whatever you know so uh, yeah absolutely motivates you but having said all that in Division 1 motivation will get you so far lads it's, Division 1 is that it's, it's ruthless it's mm. absolutely ruthless and we've Tyrone up first according to the provisional fixtures and, and uh, you know Tyrone probably didn't have the best year last year so you can imagine now they're going to mm. they're going to come in ready to go you'd imagine now you know so uh, you know you can have all the motivation and all the newspaper clippings in the world they mean they don't mean a huge amount that when the ball's thrown in like you know they, you're either prepared or you're not you're in conditioned or you're not and uh, you're tactically astute or you're not you know that kind of way and uh, so so that's the 5% maybe but the other 95 is the every day of the week and it's the level of consistency lads the teams like the Roscommons the Monaghan's you know the, the top of division 2 they have to find a level of consistency that's that's my issue it was my my opinion is the issue is you know might be brilliant this week and not so good next week but you can't survive in them in the top level without a level of consistency you know you would have a kind you would have comparisons between the two years well like football mad counties like not mm-hmm. massive population and yeah. you know you would probably already attest to that Roscommon is football mad like oh yeah they're mental about it like and Wicklow isn't in fairness no like. no it's not no and 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 no it's not it's completely different uh you know I could have been walking around uh now the players in Wicklow are unbelievable county board but mm. I could have been walking around Ockram or Wicklow town for two years and should no one had ever at an eyelid Jeannie and Roscommon already I was sitting in a petrol station last night in Roscommon and oh mother of god the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes they are that mad. was the one lad they're mental about it yeah, yeah uh, but I, I love that Johnny that's that's, that's don't go to Rockford's now until you win something yeah yeah we'll hold off yeah yeah Mark McHugh big name in the the backroom team as well and and like a lot of good good vibes coming out of him in Donegal in terms of his coaching pedigree as well do you have the backroom team finalised or how's that taking shape I'm uh, very close to it. So the, the the management at the minute is um, um, Mark McHugh has confirmed. Uh, obviously, everyone will know Mark from uh, his Donegal days. A uh, very exciting young coach as well. I think we're fairly like minded. Um, Eddie Lohan, ex common player, um, Kilbride man, two brothers as well. So they're well, well, well known in the in the community. Uh, and then uh, Jerry McGowan from Sligo is also on board as coach. Uh, he's been with Clare for a number of years now. Turla Strand man, very very uh, exciting, very very exciting addition to the. To the, so that's the four-man ticket at the minute. We'll say the backroom team is in place. There's a head of performance on site, Gary Gary Flannery, who works for us, Common GA, and uh, then there's a big backroom team like 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 what comes with all these uh, <laughs> like comes with all these jobs at the minute. So we're happy enough with that at the minute. There may be one more audition. I'm not certain yet, but I'm very very happy that that's a fairly strong coaching ticket selection ticket for now. What, what was Mark's like-minded? Um, well, what I mean is, he's young, he's enthusiastic, he's energetic, and he want, he's on a he's on a journey. Like you know, like he's in he's 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 trying to progress as well. Like. Yeah, I'm not speaking for him, but yeah, he 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 he's trying to move forward essentially, you know, and very very ambitious. And uh, he's came through. The, I came through the ladies' ranks as well as we just discussed. So I wouldn't. Some people might fear that. Oh, it's not good enough. It's a different level of football. I think ladies' football is a hugely um, uh, like it's a hugely good high level of football at the minute. You know that kind of. So if you're coaching at that level with, with Donegal or with Dublin or with Cork or with Mead, you're you're a decent coach. Like you know, even you, there's a contrast with Paul Carrigan there. Like he's Paul Carrigan, he's gone into uh, the Mead seniors now. So uh, you know, there's a huge overlap at the minute. I think between the two. So he's just very like-minded. And I would have seen him um, in the trial the other day, and just were very very similar, um, very very similar. And look, he's still at the peak of his powers. He's 32, 32 years of age, playing for Kilcar. So uh, I think the common boys better get used to him being stuck in the middle of them during drills and stuck in the middle of them during runs. And I think that's going to add a huge layer when rather than the likes of me with just a whistle when someone will actually get out there and do it with you mm. I think mm. it makes yeah, a huge yeah. huge difference you know I, I look at um, managers sometimes like like Davy Fitz comes to mind uh, Rory Gallagher comes to mind who are all action on the sidelines and Rory spitting in the hands and <laughs> living every moment and you're, you're exhausted nearly looking at them like, watching Wicklow matches well you'd be similar enough in that you're <laughs> you're an all action manager on the sidelines like do yeah. you go home from a match say on a Sunday afternoon and you must be just wrecked. Ah, uh, yeah. I do, do, without the spit, and I do a lot of the rest of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Look, you, you play, you kick every ball. You, you're emotionally and physically wrecked on a Sunday evening, like completely and utterly wrecked. Uh, yeah, look, um, that's the style. The three lads you named, Davy, myself, Rory, we, we're, we're coaches probably at heart, and we like to coach our teams through the games. And look, there's pros and cons to all that, but you'd be absolutely, yeah, you'd be fit for nothing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen. What's what's the, what's the ambition finally uh, for you, David, this year? I know when Paul Joyce took the Galway job, he said, "Look, I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't think we could 
winning All Ireland and came so close last year and getting to the final. So, like, what's the what's the overall ambition? Is it a three year term? Yeah, three, so year, three term. year term. So, what's the what's the I guess short, medium, long term goals? Well, the short will definitely be Division One. We're targeting, as I said, consistent level of football. We want to be training at a level and playing at a level to be a consistent top eight team. You know, minimum. That that's that's the short. That's a hundred percent the short term goal. And medium goals, obviously, Connacht Championships. You know, you know, it's it's, it's an unnegotiable in most common. They're looking for silverware. They're looking mm. for Connacht Championship. And then ultimately, for me, I think it's since nineteen ninety one, is it, or since they were in an All Ireland semi final. So you need you need to be pushing on progress all the time. Like I'm not going to sit there and say we're going to win Sam Maguire and the short short term but you got to be moving forward here you know so move forward retain division one you know conic championships and also semi-final appearances and then you can build from there in my experience you don't go from quarter-finalist to finalist mm. you, you, that doesn't generally happen like so you have to go step by step by step and uh, so ultimately in the three years five years that's that's the plan you know everybody in Kildare wishes them all the very best we're dying for him to be brilliant yeah I really hope that he's like the the next Mourinho it's an interesting job, Ross Common, isn't it? It's that yeah. sort of, there's a potential for big moments that are kind of remembered forever with a really cool, fanatical fan base. You know, you can win a Connacht title with Ross Common. You don't have to. It doesn't define you, but it's, it's there as a possibility, even though Galway are probably the second or third best team in the country and, and Mayo yeah, or Mayo. Yeah. Um, it's funny, what, like, what will success look like uh, in the new format? Yeah, it's true as well. I don't know. I find it very hard to get my head into what the football championship is going to be like next year. It's not. It's not to dismiss it or say anything. Say anything negative about it. But we have. It's almost just a wait and see. It's very hard to kind of imagine before it happens. All right. the Which will be the important and which will feel yeah lesser than you know. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of games to get to before you get to the the knockout games, and it's kind of been engineered that most of the good teams, maybe one good team, will be missing from the quarterfinals. And at that stage. Because like Connacht is set up intriguingly with the way that the draw has worked out with Roscommon, Galway, Mayo all on one side. So one of those teams is going to miss the provincial final. But given that the Rossies have gone back up to Division 1 of the Football League, they should be within the teams that automatically qualify as one of the top two yeah. seeds for the groupings. Yeah. So Roscommon should be fine even if they don't get to a provincial final despite the quirk of this. There's no way of them not being fine, is there? You can't no, not qualify. They, have to be, they will be inside it given the way that the provincials fall as well. Okay. Uh, the Ulster teams who I, see, I don't know what he's talking about like you know so that's uh, common in is all I need like, like, we'll, we'll, I'll work out the rest of the next February yeah. the, old, the Ulster teams I think are far more likely to miss out, out of it, yeah. and like they all voted no mm-hmm. what were you thinking this doesn't make any sense here Jesus right we're back <laughs> the flashbacks <laughs> they voted no to abolishing the provincials. provincials I don't know if they knew the consequence was well, I mean they did they, they did know that like the, oh we need, we need something better well you're going to get the big mickey that you asked for and look when it's served up to you you're going to have to eat it now the football pod became the Monday club this week following East Kerry's victory in the county football final in the kingdom James O'Donoghue took a brief break from the celebrations to chat to his co-hosts Tommy Rooney and Paddy Andrews after a weekend where his teammate David Clifford added the footballer of the year and Kerry championship winner to his already impressive CV I asked for number 15 on the back and J.O.D but it didn't get delivered. <laughs> if I send this to you, Jimmy, will you get Clifford to sign it for me? I will send it on down, <laughs> down the post. <laughs> it, it is reckless the amount of autographs that man has to sign after the game, isn't it? Oh, he's tortured, I'd say, yeah. Like, I saw you posing for a couple of selfies, James. I was calling kids over. I was like, come on, take one of them. <laughs> you knew the cameras were on you. <laughs> uh, no, I, do you know what? He's brilliant, though. In fairness to him, he gives, he gives everyone the time, but, jeez, it must be, it must be hard work, like. Yeah. At times, he's he's because he's actually he's gone to a different level. Like you know, he's not just a a well known footballer. Like he's he is fucking full on famous. Like mm-hmm. you know, transcending the sport. He is transcending the sport at the moment. The boys were saying that even up at the All Stars, that like the hurlers were nearly fangirling him. Like <laughs> she wouldn't be surprised. Like yeah, but no, deserved. He's sensational. Our all-star, was I, were we right in saying we got 14 of the 15 right on the football pad? Yeah, just Tom Sullivan. That was a joke. How he didn't get one? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I didn't put him in my team. That was my team. Oh, let me check, Paddy. You might have actually had... The you see, Paddy, you had seven dubs, so you actually didn't get them all right. No, so. I, if, I didn't you're, have if you're in the top three for player of the year before the final, how would you, you fall out yeah. of the top 15? Then? I agree. I, I do think Tom oh, Sullivan, Sullivan yeah, would be possibly harsh. Shane Walsh was incredible in the final, but 
Mm. Exactly, but it's not like Shane Walsh was dumbing him and making a fool of him. Yeah. He was but kicking points for 50 yards. Was that the only one we didn't have in? Yeah. On the official football pass. That was that was it was good going. 14, uh, we 15. Put our brains I don't together. think we didn't put in Gavin White, but that was yeah. Gavin, Gavin I had I had Gavin down. White in my team. Um the Clarny man. No, yeah, I, I, I was white in my team, but I also had Tom Sullivan in there. I didn't have Liam Silk. Liam Silk had a great year. So look at it. It's it was very good in the final as well. Yeah, they're they're uh, tough. They're tough to call, but we did well. 1,450 I would take bad. that. Paddy, like, you there's did not have... many other people who got fit. I'd say nobody would have got would have got that 15. Football pod sets to the end the lads. That's the Paddy. Paddy, you had yeah. like your your back six was reckless. I think you got four out of fifteen right here. <laughs> <laughs> I had Macker in, did I? You have Macker midfield. But, you uh, and Macker for player of the year and everything. <laughs> Over that double. Oh, turnover man. Fuck that. Like, yeah. Dash it in. Yeah. But, it was um, more the Delta Cup was where we were getting slated because we didn't have oh, all the cabins. Yeah, we can't do Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to take it. Oh, it was it was a next year. All-Stars, did they? They did. They won, uh, they won four All-Stars oh, in the Delta yeah. Cup team of the year. Westmead had six winners. Sligo had three. Offaly had one and Leitrim had one. We actually weren't that far off with the Tatchin Cup team of the year either. But do you know what? It's nice to mix them around because there was plenty of quality on show this year. And that's actually pretty, pretty good thing about this year is that there were awards for both. I think that was great. Um, and you yeah. got you got to see that. For the lads on Friday night, James, um, like obviously Paddy, David, Shane Ryan, um, who else would have been up in it from East Kerry? Oh, sorry, from East Kerry, yeah. Yeah. That's it. The Cliff Ritz really, and Shane Ryan, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all they're, first on Saturday morning. Yeah. They probably had to take it handy oh, enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. Came down Saturday morning and had their celebrations last night and today instead. Class. So, no, be worth it for. That's the way Cliff for player of the year. Do you know what? The, the best of those awards that I was at, Paddy, we were at the, the Daily Star one. Do you remember the that match one? ones? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got you, them out of the match. You got man the match in the star. Yeah, you got a night out of it and an award. And it was unreal. It was savage. It was, it was like, yeah. It was, uh, um, it was the same type of gig, but it was just looser, wasn't it? Like, it was so loose. Yeah. So loose. What year is this? Every year. It's every year. And once you get a championship, man the match. Do you remember which year you're talking about, James, no? I was there in... 13, 15. I was 14 and 15. I did, yeah, I got... 13, 14, maybe 15. I'd say I got three out of it, yeah. With Niall Quinn was speaking at one of them. He was class. He's a good man for my outlet. Yeah, he was brilliant. Great man for a story. But like, because the All-Stars are a bit serious. They're a bit more formal. Yeah. Is that just a TV element of it? Than fucking what you're doing. It's TV thing only goes on for like 45 minutes. And then you're back, you're down to the, the main hall bit. And yes, you, can, you get on it then. Like, but, I mean, yeah. Kerry, oh. the Kerry boys seem to bring all their families up. Is that always done? Like they brought their partners and their parents? I would say so, yeah. Yeah? Is that always the case? Yeah, it would be, yeah. Okay, that's nice. That's, it's a big family thing, like, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was uh, the lads from the football pod, James Dunn, who obviously speaking with uh, Paddy Andrews and Tommy Rooney. You can get the football pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, wouldn't it be great to see the amalgamated sides Playing in the uh, no. club championship. No. Well, no, hang on a second. No. Hang on a second. No. If, if Shane Walsh can go on and join Croaks, what's the difference between? I want to see. I want to see Croaks against this team for the All Ireland title. Just, just once. Come on. Why not? Why not? No, I disagree. No. I don't think that. I. It's a fine now competition in Kerry, but what is it really? Well, it's your, it's the your amalgamation of players. It's your your best. Uh, intermediate players getting an opportunity to play senior football. Yeah, which is yeah. great for them. Yeah. I don't know if I would be, if I was from one of those towns, if I was a Killarney Legion fan, would I be going, well, look, it's a pity, it's a pity we didn't, uh, it's a pity we didn't win the... Legion are intermediate, that's No, but that's what I'm saying, but if yeah. I'm a Killarney Legion fan, am I going, well, we've got East Kerry, I'm going to get behind my area 
with all my rivals. Yeah, let, let's yeah. hope the rival forward. Bringing peace well. to the land. Wouldn't it be great if it could be like it, this all the time? It works well in Kerry. Let's face it, it does. But I, I, you've, I've I seen bigger, I've seen, I've seen bigger crowds Come at on. games. I've seen bigger crowds at games to go and see David Clifford and James O'Donoghue in a in a, in a in forward the same line team. together yeah. and party Clifford. I think well, the fans the individual clubs would enjoy yeah, an intermediate or junior success with their own club as much. As I know. Players. Look, I know. I know. I hear you. I just want to see it. But come on, you want to see Kilkenny against East Kerry? If if. If Croke can get Shane Walsh, it's like it's basically the same thing. They're just like <laughs> hoovering up the world's best yeah. talent. It is. It is great for like it's great for players. Like I, I always think of the there's a in the Immaculee example in Cork is like a lot of small rural towns that aren't going to be senior coming together and they won three Cork senior championships in a row a few years ago. You know, but there's also unearthing players then for Cork and all from oh totally that's the whole point of it clubs yeah. that would you know because they're able to play top level hurling and football yeah with all due respect to the other counties if this is how Kerry football is run you should take a look at it and maybe steal some of the ideas because they win all Ireland every three years since the creation of the state they they, they know how this thing works yeah, they're super, very good at it a superstar from a junior there in a tiny village like, should yeah. in theory be more space for counties to consider having regional competitions now because one thing I didn't realise until a few weeks ago was that a lot of the counties when they were drawing up their games programme for the current year were unaware of how the split season was actually going to fall entirely so in some counties they actually drew their games programme up without knowing how the provincial club was going to work out right. so therefore that's why some clubs have had this weird situation where they're finished for six and seven weeks before the their club champions play okay. and they would have probably made more use of the calendar if they had known in advance where it was so that leaves a gap to potentially play another competition uh, David Clifford's rolling ca- rolling collection I suppose rather than a catch and then kick over the bar James said on the football pod it was the February, that, 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 isn't, that isn't just something he did on the spur of the moment that is a, that is a move that he practices there you go that's like you don't, you don't just be that good at football no you don't uh, that football podcast on the football pod and GA streams on the OTB Sports app when we come back we'll be turning our attention from a Kerry forward sensation to Brazilian icon Ronaldo Right, on Wednesday night, Joe was joined by South American football expert Tim Vickery to discuss the fallout from Lula's narrow victory in the Brazilian presidential election. The chat also turned to whether Ronaldo was the most explosive young player in football history. In the entire history of football, maybe Kylian Mbappé can challenge some of this, but I don't think there's ever been anyone faster and more powerful running with the ball. That's number one. Coupled with that extraordinary ability to slow down at the decisive moment, slow down when he's going to finish. I still picking his spot. So it's it's power with coolness, and that power with coolness also gave him the capacity to do the keeper, because uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the film Raging Bull. Mm. I love talking about this, moment, but th- there are several times that you see things from the perspective of the boxer. Played, you know, Jake DeMotta, played by Robert De Niro, and you see it in slow motion. And for the truly great sportsman, sports person, Neymar is in this category. Things are happening in slow motion. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. It's like he's 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 got, he's got an hour to see things that only happen in a fraction of a second. In his mind, he's already seeing. Oh yeah, I'll push it through there, and then I can run around the other side. And Ronaldo was the same. So uh, uh, Ronaldo, because goalkeepers quite like that one-on-one situation. Usually it's the goalkeeper who commands that situation. It's the goalkeeper who forces the striker to shoot the way that he wants to shoot or to go the way. But Ronaldo always had one up on the goalkeeper. He always controlled that situation because of these these combination of talents, the the power and pace with which he can run, the, uh, the ability to change pace, to slow down, to keep calm, to pick his spots. Uh, and he, he really was I mean, he, he, an, an extraordinary player. He is, I think, the start of the global age of football, isn't mm-hmm. he? he? And he's the one when when the Champions League goes absolutely massive and so on, when international football goes absolutely massive, when cable TV comes in as, as a big player, he's the, he is the poster boy for, for that new globalised era of the game where kids growing up in Dublin will know the... the, 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 the uh, that the first, uh, the starting eleven of the of, of Sevilla, you know, where uh, you know, only a few years before, and I saw this very very clearly with with Brazil, nineteen ninety four, the British fan didn't know any of that team before the tournament, you know, that mildly Romario because he played the Champions League final a, a couple of weeks before, mm. by nineteen ninety eight, 
You know, the Nike money is in there and so on. And Ronaldo has exploded. Lots of British fans. They knew the entire Brazil team. Uh, and that, that's, that, that's the moment when the game really globalises. And Ronaldo was, was the poster boy for that movement. He said a couple of interesting things. In the documentary, there's a scene where he's with Roberto Carlos and he asks Carlos, his roommate at the time, ahead of the 98 World Cup final where he famously had the seizure, how long was I out for? And Roberto Carlos says three minutes. And apparently when the director, Duncan McMath, took the final cut to London to show Ronaldo, uh, he started crying when he watched it. And what he said to Sidlow was, I didn't understand why so many bad things were happening to me. It was so hard. The decisions someone so young, just 22, had to take, all the pressure and without the psychological help is how he reflects in that period. Yeah. And he talked about how mental health is talked about so openly now. He said in our day, it was gladiator- it was gladiatorial. Yeah. You were... You were thrown in and they waited to see who'd come out alive. So yeah. even for all the, the kind of happy-go-lucky demeanour, uh, quite clearly that seizure was about more than a, a health issue. There was a mental health component to it and he wasn't immune to the pressure on him. No, uh, he seems very, very calm. Um, it's also, I think it's easy to forget. because I, I watched that build-up. I was over here from just after USA 94. They were quite an ordinary side without him, you know. Mm. And they really were, and they were. I made my name really saying France is going to win the final, even before we 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 heard about the Ronaldo stuff. If you look at that World Cup, every game against European opposition was tough. You know, they just beat Scotland with an own goal. They lost to Norway. They had a, a real Titanic struggle against Denmark, and Holland should have put them away, didn't on on on, on penalties, but really should should have beaten them. And he got them through that game. Um, and uh, so, and he knew. He knew the extent to which it depended on him. And it was all too much. Um, Brazil had pioneered the use of sports psychologists back in 1958. Very, very premature. And the, the fella had uh, really nothing of any use to contribute. It was too early for sports psychology. Um, maybe they should, have, they should have been a little bit better four decades later. Um, because it's very interesting to, to hear such a calm and he, he won me over not long afterwards when there was a, there was a commission of inquiry in Brazil's Congress into the Nike deal and, and there were all these conspiracy theories going around Brazil that the team had thrown the game you know so he was he was back to give evidence uh, and I, f- I felt so proud of him and also proud of football because he was he was so good you know, he was he was so he was he was cool and calm and, and articulate and intelligent uh, and giving really good answers. And you're thinking this is a shy little kid from the working class suburbs of Rio, just down the road from where, where I met my wife, actually. Uh, and uh, look at look at what he's become. This this global citizen who who is is in control of 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 who he is and, and where he's going. It was one of those moments when I felt not only proud of him, but proud of football because football had given him chances to grow that he wouldn't have had otherwise. Those knee injuries between that 1998 period and even the 02 World Cup where it's redemption for Ronaldo, even in spite of that dreadful haircut and he scores the two goals in the final. Um, my memory of that period is that even in 02, and I guess he was only 26 then, but my memory looking on was that this is like latter day, can't beat yeah. five, six men easily. Ronaldo, this is a very limited Ronaldo, even even by 26. I think it's one of the great World Cup stories, his, his redemption. And it, it shows you what an all-round talent he was because, all right, there were things that he, could, that he was doing in the late 90s, now before the injuries, that he was no longer doing. Mm. And he, he, you, you didn't see that burst anything like as much anymore. But you, you saw a wide range of skills all the same. And my favorite from that one is, is the toe poke that beats Turkey in, in the, uh, the semifinal. Yeah. And it's not particularly pretty, but it, it's effective. It's simple. It's very, very clever. Uh, it's the right solution at, at, at the right time. Uh, and uh, so I, I think what you're seeing there, it, it reminds me of perhaps a little bit of Pele in 1970. Um, I appreciate that many people didn't see a great deal of the Pele before that because, it's, you know, 70s is, is the start, you know, in, in global uh, terms, it's start of the TV age. But he was better in 62 um, b- 
before he, he got he bulked up a little bit and he got kicked out of the World Cup in 66. In 70, he, he hasn't got the same capacity to run with the ball. You know, that ball bouncing alongside him like an obedient puppy, I've always seen it, you know. He doesn't quite have that anymore. But the awareness of what's around him, you know, the little passes that he lays off for the, the goal that effectively wins the World Cup, which is the one he lays up for for Jairzinho against England, or that that wonderful one that, that closes the book, the goal that Carlos Alberto, the fourth goal against Italy in the final. He's just doing the right thing at the right time. And uh, uh, the not a lot of player players, very few players can have the calm in the penalty area that they have in the centre circle. Mm. Uh, and Pele could, Ronaldo could, and that's that's one of the things that made them great, even even past their physical prime. That was a wide-ranging chat. I was going to say that. <laughs> it's segued into Ronaldo there, uh, it's quite smoothly in the actual interview. But um, yeah, look, are, are you a uh, are you one of those people that gets uh, gooey-eyed nostalgia for or nine? Sure. This guy. Yeah. As opposed to. It's good for uh, radio. It is, yeah. Um, ah, look. I'm oh, sorry. Is that uh, sorry? I, you didn't just pull that up. That's your actual screensaver. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So yes is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Him. Look. One thing actually on the political side of it, which is obviously the, was what we started talking about. Tim was interesting talking about Ronaldo, kind of almost making a statement by not making a statement on the political front, like kind of saying, I, "I'm not going to declare who I'm voting for." You have to you know, make your own decision based on what you think is right and wrong. And I was like, that's a bit mealy mouthed until the next part, which was that Ronaldo has been long time kind of centre right and we would be one of the footballers that you would expect to be doing the Neymar and the Lucas Mora and being a poster boy for Bolsonaro, you know, and he didn't do that this time. And or I don't know if he's ever done it, but specifically in this election he didn't do it and kind of made a point in not doing it. So in that way, actually, it's... Um, so the implication was... Exactly. I, I think the implication was... I mean, this is one of those bits lines. where you're like, please yeah. don't tell me. Don't... don't uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I think Ronaldo was very interested in the Sid Lowe interview, particularly, or I think it was about a week ago after the documentary came out on own. he did a sit-down with Sid Lowe and mentioned the fact that, you know, quite aside from whether he was voting Lula or Bolsonaro, he talked quite a bit about the idea that the Brazilian flag, and particularly the Brazilian football jersey, has been appropriate and perhaps misappropriated by sides within the presidential debate. Yeah. And he was trying to make the argument that when the World Cup comes around, there is that opportunity now that if the team gets behind the, new... the next thing, it can be a flag and a jersey that starts to represent the team again, yeah. as opposed to representing Bolsonaro. I think that was probably the strongest hint that he wasn't necessarily coming out in support of Bolsonaro ahead of the election. But again, as Mick says, he, he held his counsel about it and didn't declare any of the side. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some of the players in the team, I think, who uh, might feel more free to speak about their politics now um, and hopefully uh, that long list of people who are Bolsonaro uh, gets published more widely like there's a load of them mm. um, so I don't know all I know is that um, all the Brazilian people in Ireland seem pretty the majority of them seem pretty happy with the, the outcome yeah, absolutely so, uh, right uh, you can get that on uh, our OTB soccer feed football feed as well wherever you get your podcast coming up this weekend on Off the Ball Shane Hannan sits down with Welsh legends Neville Southall and Ian Rush We'll also have some of the best bits from our road show at Liverpool Icons, Robbie Fowler and John Aldridge. So it's like a 1986 to 1995 <laughs> special weekend. Yeah, it's like it's like the FA Cup final every year for about four years there. Uh, David Myler and Shane Keegan will be alongside Shane on OTB Football Saturday. On Sunday, Brent Pope reviews Ireland against the Springboks. Rory O'Connor and Clina Foley will be going through the Sunday papers. Plenty of rugby in that as well. Two live Premier League commentaries. Brian Kerr and Richie McCormick will be watching Aston Villa against Manchester United, which is undoubtedly going to be the biggest audience that we've had for a football match in a long time because that game is not on TV in England it's Kenny Cunningham with Stephen Doyle for the clash of Spurs and Liverpool two proper big games of course what do you think Unai Emery genius already looking forward to him I was, I was watching it I, I, while not writing the quiz there I, I delayed it even more by watching his first interview on AVTV yeah. uh, the other day and yeah look I, I think he is a um, I think he's a very serious football guy and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Villa but I don't think it's going to be easy or straightforward or quick by any means. No, I think just avoid relegation this year, Possibly, get some good performances yeah, and, from players who are underperforming. And The biggest thing with Villa that I, I was saying a few weeks ago was that none of the players have improved in the last two years and you can say all you like about the players but Eddie Howe has made Almiron and Jolington and... 
various other Newcastle players much better than they used to be. That's literally all you have to say, you know. Yeah, and that's all you want from a manager. Uh, signs of progress, something to hang your hat on, something to get behind, bit of excitement, the feeling that you're alive, yeah. that you're not wasting your time. Villa's record at Villa Park against Manchester United is Appalling. shite. So <laughs> just just bear that in mind. United fans, don't worry too much. Splunk is up next. Shin Shin Slon.